0: Saludos and salutations, Broncos country, and welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. I'm your host, Adam Diaz, and joining me, as always, is at Richie Richie. Richie, how are you doing today, my friend?
1: It's Raiders week. We needed a double dose of Bronco. This is my dog, Bronco. I am doing well, thank you. How are you?
2: <laughs>
0: I'm doing all right,
1: thank you very much.
0: <laughs> Uh, Guys, before we get into the recap of last week's Steelers game, just want to remind you guys that if you enjoy the content that Richie and I provide here on Broncos Talk, then you will enjoy the content that is spread out throughout the MHRT network. As we just said, uh, we have Broncos Talk, which airs every single Tuesday at 7654. And on Thursdays, we have the flagship show, uh, the Mahai Roundtable, which airs at 7654. And then on Fridays, we have the Nothing Rhymes with uh, Orange and Blue podcast, with Johnny and Isaiah. And then on before every game day, we have our new show called The Neighborhood, which airs just before every single Broncos game. And for every home game, we have a live tailgate with the Mahi Prophet. So guys, make sure you click those uh, thumbs up, hit the notification button, subscribe, so that you get live notifications whenever any one of our great shows goes live and that you never miss a single second of it. So with that being said, Richie, Let's get into this week's past week's recap because I mean it's 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 crazy. I've seen the highlights so many times, Rich, because unfortunately I wasn't able to see the game live. I was at work, but I was up to I was up to date with all the live notifications and I couldn't really believe what I was reading, Rich. It almost felt like I was reading uh like it was telling me a story of a game from last year. It felt like that. And even though the ending was pretty close where the Broncos were Oh, so close! Trying to tie the game and force an overtime. Unfortunately, that result ended in almost the same result that happened against the Ravens two weeks earlier, where the the Broncos threw an interception. It's the very first interception for for Teddy Bridgewater as a Bronco. So, I mean, Rich, it it, it, it really sucks when you think about it because we need to get out of this funk of the offense just dragging for what was it, almost three quarters? I mean something's got to give here. And as much as we can go around and say, you know, it's Bridgewater, it was the running game. It was the Titans. It all goes down to coaching. It starts with coaching. And I really think that Pat Shermer's seat, it's, it's gotta be on fire at this point in time. I was going
1: to say, if you were about to say he his seat is hot, I was going to say, I think there's a stoked flame that's uh, engulfed that seat at the moment. Uh, really. I think any fan who is a fan of football, and you don't have to be a Broncos fan; you just have to be a fan of football, could look at the way that our offensive coordinator planned out that game, and just knew it was not going to work. So, as an example, and I, I hate to reinvoke just nightmares for our fan base, so I'm going to apologize in advance. But it gave me visions back to that Super Bowl loss to the. Uh, Seahawks so you know it we we had that fumbled snap right at the very beginning of the game and from that point forward you kind of said we're in trouble mm-hmm. and like uh, I've heard from several others and in, in various places the first three to five plays are typically scripted so you made that mistake knowing what play you were going to run as you went under the field and you still made a mistake.
0: Yeah. And before we continue, guys, if you guys have any comments or questions for us, please make sure you uh, put them in the chat. Richie and I are going to try to get to every single comment and question during the show. We apologize if we don't get to everybody, but we're going to do our very best. So with that being said, let's go and say hello to some of our people in the the chat. Uh, Dave Glassman saying must win game this Sunday. Blue Blue and orange hearts, of course. So very right avatar saying i 100 percent agree with that statement dave what's up broncos country avatar how you doing my friend uh ej also saying what's up broncos country hello ej uh Jacker saying hello broncos country and no name uh which is a name that i don't think i've seen before i recognize uh, the name i i i'm sorry
1: i'm assuming i recognize the name if you could uh let us know in the chat i believe no name is an affiliate of sev
0: uh, uh okay
1: and i've i've interacted with a no name i don't know if it's the
0: same one on youtube uh mm-hmm. Steph's channel so uh thank you for joining us today yeah thank you my friend uh, we're signing john braun and that's something we're going to get into a little bit later in this podcast thank you so much uh muhammad badry saying good evening gentlemen good evening to you uh muhammad uh Mohammed, i'm sorry uh mahi prophet saying buccaneers are removing gruden from their ring of fame yes i did read that uh my, and that's, I mean, it, as much as we would like to get into the whole John Gruden thing and Richie and I will give our, our thoughts about it later on in this podcast. Uh, I just think that it, it I mean, it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't really come as a shock. I mean, everything that Gruden built in his career is going to come tumbling down. So th- this is probably just the tip of the iceberg for, uh, for John Gruden's career. In the NFL, but uh, going back to the the recap, Rich, uh, the fact that the Broncos' defense has not lived up to par these last two weeks is really sub. It, it it sucks. First of all, let's get that out of the way, and it's just been subpar playing. I mean, so far the signing of Kyle Fuller has kind of just looked like I don't know, like the, 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 there was a reason Chicago let him walk. I, I could Maybe they should have told us why. Like, it, I wanted somebody to go out there and say, well, Kyle is not playing at 100% because, you know, he's injured. That would have made a whole lot of sense. But unfortunately, he's not playing like an injured player. He's just playing like he's not, like he doesn't know what he's doing, like he's lost in coverage, you know? So, it, it just, I mean, you would figure for a guy that's trying to play for to sign a big contract when it's him and Callahan, that he would go out there and play his absolute best, like he did for Fangio when he was in Chicago, that he would go out there and give it even more than he than he probably could. But unfortunately, it's been totally the opposite way. And at this point, Rich, something's got to give in terms of either you ship up or you ship out. I think we're in a bit of a, a,
1: a dilly of a pickle, if you will. Um Our challenge is that we have Darby who's out and he's supposed to come back this week. So that's great. Um, And I think what we really need to see is um, Harrison, I I think is the correct pronunciation of, of his last name. I think at some point you need to start moving him in more and kind of seeing what he's got in terms of his natural position instead of just on special teams. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we need to start looking at that broader depth uh, after, you know, for for not just this year, but also getting valuable game reps to see where maybe they can fit in, you know, maybe years to come. And I do agree that what we're seeing out of Fuller is just simply not good enough. So on, on the flip side of that is... Alright, so you got Sertan on one side, uh, you have Callahan, and then who's the other guy that you're going to try to bring in, and, and you're, you're starting kind of standard package there. And you got to start looking at other guys. Oju Moody is going to eventually be back soon-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been some promising news that have come, has come out to, with regards to how he's doing, but we have to have a bridge. We have to have that person that can come in and fill that gap for maybe two to three weeks. And uh, with Darby coming back and Oji Moody eventually coming back, uh, we need to start filling out that depth.
0: No, I totally agree. And, you know, on the opposite side on the offense, uh, you know, we, we keep seeing just glimpses and you it's Javante Williams is just playing some amazing football Ridge his run he was almost to the end zone and unfortunately you knew he was going to make a rookie mistake sooner or later and spiking the ball I mean I, I get it you were excited you almost had a touchdown it would have been really awesome but fortunately His emotions caught the best of him, and he was flagged for it. So it sucks that it moved the Broncos back, and it took away a a possible scoring opportunity for the Broncos where they had to settle for a field goal on that play.
1: I understand rules are rules. I do.
0: Um, And I think it's important
1: that the rules are enforced. But I also think that it's important that the rules are enforced evenly. And I think what we've seen in some of these past games is that they're not. Um, we've had several calls that have not gone to the Broncos that were pretty egregious, blatant even. And as a result, I-, I do think that the NFL should have shown some degree of balance there. In my opinion, what should have happened is EJ, that should have been left to the run that it was. And I believe the refs should have pulled, EJ, uh, should have pulled um, Williams aside and said, this is your one and only warning. You know, we're sending this back into the league office. Don't do that again. That should have been or would have been, you know, the, the, I think it's 10 yards, if I'm not mistaken, is the penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, he's a rookie. There needs to be some form of discretion
0: here. And I think that's important. Right. And, you know, that the boss, Mundung, is jumping in and he was, he read my mind because this is going to be my next point. Here's the bigger question Why was Vaughn covering Chase Claypool? Rich, Line when, shifts. when I saw that, that play, and I just kept rewinding it. And in my head, I just kept thinking, why? Who in that coaching was, was it Fangio or was it Ed Donatel who thought it was a great idea to put a speedy receiver like Chase Claypool against Von Miller? And like it it, it boggles, it boggles my mind. Uh, you know, Von Miller, as great as he is playing coverage has never been his strength. It's probably one of his many glaring weaknesses, if I had to say, because, I mean, we'll all remember that beautiful pick play he had against the Patriots in that AFC Championship game in 2015. That was fabulous. But even that play was pushing it for Vaughn because Vaughn went on record saying, hey, I was nervous as hell when they told me I had to, you know, cover Gronk, one of the greatest tight ends the NFL has seen so far. So, it just, it, it makes no sense why they keep putting Vaughn in coverage or any of our, our linebackers, to, to put it at that, because this isn't that kind of a team where we have a linebacker. Even, I mean, we don't know if, if Jonathan Cooper can play that or Malik Reed or hell, maybe even Bradley Chubb. But Von Miller, at his age, at this stage in his career, should not be trying to run and cover speedy wide receivers.
1: No, I mean, jokingly, you say throw Shelby on him. I mean, he caught Tyreek Hill. Um, but um, at the same time, I do agree. You, you can't have your outside linebacker who is known and, and frankly will be in the Hall of Fame one day for his elite pass, pass rushing skills and have him chase a six four, you know, mm-hmm. pretty quick wide receiver. A Canadian, I might add. Um I had to rep the Canadian. Um, and and so, I mean, he's, he's he's easily one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he really came onto the scene pretty strong. And the other question I have on that play as well was, where was the safety help? So Vaughn Von, Von managed to basically keep pace with Claypool by and large. So, I mean, th- that should be commended. So, good on him. But at the same time, where was the safety help over the top Especially since the pass, um, it was pretty clear that, you know, where the pass was going and when it got there, Mm -hmm. there should have been downhill safety help and other other guys helping there to kind of deflect and block that ball, or or at least knowing that they're moving and sweeping everything over to
0: that one side to help protect our team from getting hit big. Uh, Travis Tarbox jumping in saying, evening fellas, I pretty much have lost all faith in this coaching staff. And you know what, Travis, you're not alone. I can't say that I've lost all faith, but it's starting to get harder and harder every Sunday to when they show Vic Fangio to sit there and say, "Okay, I believe in Vic Fangio. I know Vic Fangio's defense can get a stop. I know Vic Fangio's defense can get a turnover. I know Pat Shermer's offense can, you know, get get the ball rolling and not at the very end of the game when it's you use up all your timeouts and." You know, the, the opposing defense is, like somebody said earlier in the chat, just softening up and uh, oh, no name. Thanks for coming. Uh, <clears throat> just softening up and, you know, they're just trying to, to kill time. It, it, it can't happen that way. If this Broncos team wants to compete and make a play, a, a push for the playoffs, even as a wild card, it's going to be harder for this team. And the, the, the coaching needs to, if it doesn't step up, they, it needs to go. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of people calling for Pat Shermer to be fired midseason. As much as we don't like Pat Shermer, I don't think that would be the best this, the best idea now, because we don't know if bringing in somebody, let's say, like Mike Shula uh, would bring in and help, you know, make things better. It would be kind of like going through the same thing if Drew Lock was the start and you gave him another offensive coordinator. It'd be the same thing. So just give Pat because and I say that because. If you give Pat Shermer enough reason to be fired, then that decision will be made a lot easier at the end of the season. You know, whereas if you gamble midseason and it turns out to be even worse, then you're just going to be sitting there like, oh, well, you know, maybe we should have just stayed with what we had. And uh, I know there's a lot of football to be played still, Rich, but these losses cannot keep piling up. Something's got to get. So. At first, I was actually with you on that comment,
1: where, and I don't mean like in this pod, I mean, you know, after the game and during the game, and even last week, I was like, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't get rid of Shermer. We should kind of ride this out and see what happens. Um, After last game, and after we saw the performance that Shermer put out on the field, and frankly, just some of the play design and play calling, and, and not only just the plays themselves, but also the flow of the plays and when they were called. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, as a, an NFL veteran offensive coordinator, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you did not put our team in a position to win that game. And at the end of the day, we did not end up scoring as many points or more points than the other team. So you have to start looking towards the offensive side of the ball in terms of, where our shortcomings were and you cannot rely on defensive picks you cannot rely on pick sixes of the defense all the time there are games where you're going to want and need your offense to step up so i'm going to kind of push back on that comment just a little bit not a lot just a little bit and i'm going to say i don't think some of the plays are necessarily the problem i think that some of the plays can actually be quite successful they have to be called in the right order. They have to be called at the right time and they have to be done the right way. So I actually think a guy like Shula um, might be a reasonable option to kind of come in and have a shermer esque approach, but do it better. However, I do think that a better offensive coordinator for us would be Zach Azani, who is our wide receivers coach, uh, who was actually attempted to be recruited away from our team uh, into college ball as an offensive coordinator. So it's clear that others believe that he can definitely do that job and we should seriously consider him as well.
0: Yeah. uh, And I was just about to point that out. The the boss, Mondunga saying, no, Zach Azani should be considered for the uh, offensive coordinator position. Should the Broncos decide to fire Pat Shermer. So, I mean, if the Broncos do come to that decision, uh, there's really not much we can do, Rich. I mean, it'd be a really big gamble and hopefully it's something that can, you know, work out for the Broncos and it hopefully it's something that a guy like Teddy Bridgewater and the offense can, you know, turn around and learn uh, how to change the entire playbook in about what a week's time or so. So, and that's saying that he would be going, he would be the offensive coordinator going forward without the Broncos, maybe even looking to pursue a different uh, person for the job in the off season. So, uh, yeah, but which coach wouldn't
1: take that opportunity to prove to the league that they are capable? Like, if any, so look at it from Zach's side of a uh, point of view, right? His next progressive step in the NFL from a wide receivers coach would be to an offensive coordinator position in all likelihood. So, if he can step in and show that he can do the job and do it well and put a good product on the field even if the Broncos at that stage are silly enough to not retain him as a, if he chose to be an, a competent offensive coordinator, even if they do decide to kind of move on from the entire coaching staff at that point, which I don't believe they get rid of Zakazani because he's got, he's, he's really, really well respected within our organization. But even mm-hmm. if we did, if he put a good product on the field, then there'd be at least a half dozen probably or dozen NFL teams out there that would be willing to bring him in, especially with some of the offensive coordinators likely in the offseason getting head coaching jobs because that seems to be the direction of the NFL.
0: Yeah, and Caddy22920 jumping in saying, offensive coordinator should be creative, defensive coordinator should be aggressive. Neither applies to us currently. Caddy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I don't you, remember Katty. seeing you, so this is your first time here. Welcome and hope you enjoy the show. Uh, I think Caddy's been here a few times, but appreciate you. And Caddy, uh, if
1: uh, you or anyone you know uh, is a fan of the Denver Broncos, uh, we would definitely appreciate a subscription and a share. It certainly helps us get out there and uh, help reach other Broncos
2: fans.
0: But Caddy's totally right. And if you look around the league, Look at what Kellen Moore is doing for the Dallas Cowboys. His, 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 his jump from backup quarterback to offensive coordinator has done wonders for them. And as much as you don't like to want to believe it, but even Vance Joseph, going back to being a defensive coordinator for the Cardinals, has helped them get to a very, very good start where they're still undefeated. So the boss, Mundung, is jumping back in saying, it's not so much about changing the offense. It's about when to call, what play, and how to get your best players the ball. They can basically use the same offense, earlier, right? just change the layout a bit. Be flexible, yeah. So yeah, he's basically, basically earlier, which is 100, yeah. yeah. So he's just basically, he just said what you said in a different way using big words because that's why he's the boss. Um, but no, I, I totally agree with both of you guys. It's not so much about changing the offense, but it's just about knowing which place to execute in what order. And for Teddy Bridgewater, if he's about to execute a play and he sees that the defense is is set a certain way that he can audible out of it and say, okay, that's not going to work. Let's change into something else. So audible uh, calling audibles is also a big part of being a quarterback. And that's a big issue we had with Drew Locke last year, him not being able to, to call an audible and Teddy Bridgewater hasn't really had that issue in terms of, you know, calling an audible and turning a play, even the second play being worse than the initial one. But if he can actually do it a little bit more, I would think that that would put the offense in a better place to succeed in trying to get a conversion or touchdowns. Um, so, uh, Johnny Baki stepping
1: in here, uh, Missy on here, bud. I uh, hope everything's going uh, okay there. Um, so so he, he was kind of going over what Vaughn indicated in his presser here, and uh, and said, you know, Vaughn said in his presser that he knew he would be covering Claypool. And that he blames himself for that blown coverage. And will be better. He basically said, it'll be better next time. And is that cause for concern? Um, I'm going to quickly answer that in in just a handful of words here. Um, no, because that's what good players like Von say and pressers. And they actually attempt to take that into action and make themselves
0: better. I'm actually going to disagree and say, yeah, that is a cause for concern because... If, if Vaughn's gonna try to do that against somebody else who has the same assets like uh, Chase Claypool, th- what's that to stop it from you know blowing a coverage uh, again? So I think Vaughn just needs to kind of better choose who he's going to cover. You know, If it was a tight end, I think he would probably do better against tight ends because tight ends aren't as quick as wide receivers. Some of them are, some but most of them aren't. So I think his coverage on a tight end would be a lot better. Whereas if it's like you have to try to chase Claypool from one side of the field to the other, like he did in that play where he just totally got left behind. And I, I just don't think that's the very best way. And somebody in the chat earlier said that the 2015 Vaughn is is not the same Von of, of what we have now. And that's totally true. And as much as I hate to, 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 to believe it, that's actually true. So I just think that Von needs to stick to doing what he does best. And that's just getting to the pass rusher. And uh, also, um, I think this is a good segue, uh, Ridge, for us to get into the Mahai Mountain. So if it's okay with you guys. It, it uh, is, I just have
1: a, a, a few kind of shotgun things I just want to bring up in the game. Uh, before the Steelers game, one of our things that we mentioned is that we need to go into more two tight end sets. Uh, I did my own little math on that. We ended up going 50-50 almost in terms of three wides and the two tight end sets. Uh, The one thing that I did note in that game, though, is they stacked on several of our run plays, both tight ends to the far right hand side of the line, and then proceeded to run it on the left hand side of the line where we had no tight end help whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So um, that was interesting. Uh, That kind of speaks to our earlier conversation about uh, Pat Shermer and his uh, poor play calling. I also did want to bring forward and bring up the uh, Mike Ford uh, circus flip and tackle on special teams. Uh, which I, I could have sworn someone was going to at least bring up in the chat because uh, they brought it up in the in the uh, announcer's uh, booth there. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was unbelievable, the fact that he actually landed that tackle. And, um, and then we had the Javante Williams 49-yard run. Uh, I, I think that is uh, a, another outstanding run by Javante Williams, and I think we are starting to see – A clear-cut RB1 for our Denver Broncos in the future moving forward. Uh, He seems to do this on the regular now where he's able to shimmy-shake out of tackles and, and run down the field. And that is incredible as a Broncos fan for us to see a young running back on a rookie deal who's able to do a lot, especially when he doesn't have spectacular blocking all the time, which means that he can make something
0: out of nothing. Imagine when he actually has something right no and i totally agree with you there rich and you know as we get into the the mahai mountain here uh, i did a lot of a lot of recap because i couldn't really excuse me i couldn't really think about who i wanted to put where so i think i got it right this time and hopefully it might be different from yours rich but for me i think for the very top of the summit for my mahai mountain is going to be Corlin Sutton because Corlin Sutton had a really good game. He had 120 yards, I believe he had a touchdown catch and he just made those cornerbacks really work for, uh, he had their work cut out for him basically. And if Teddy Bridgewater just had a little bit more time on his hands, there were a couple of passes that, uh, Corlin Sutton may have, may have tried to make a play for. So, uh, so he's my number one. And in the middle of the mountain, which is right underneath him, in the middle of the summit, I guess you could say, is Kendall Hinton, because Kendall Hinton also had a touchdown, and he had a fantastic double toe catch when the Broncos were trying to uh, get into the close of the end zone. So for him, those two guys, those two wide receivers, played some really good football. Now for the base at the very bottom, which is the probably like the worst is gonna be the coaching, both Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer, because the, the defense was wasn't on par. They gave up a lot of key plays. And Pat Shermer's offensive calling for three quarters was just stale. It was just punts. And it, you know, it, it, it shouldn't have come down to the very last quarter for the Broncos to try to make a comeback and try to tie the game because then it would have been another issue trying to go into overtime and win the flip. Uh, the coin flip, and then try to give Denver the ball, and if it would have been Steelers, try to keep the Steelers from marching down the field and scoring a touchdown. Right, so I'm gonna mix
1: up the My High Mountain a little bit, and I'm gonna
0: uh, add in
1: some some new catchphrases here, and, and hopefully they they take off. Uh, so I have my summit as uh, Tim Patrick. I thought Tim Patrick showed yet again that he is. On the incline, which is an awesome thing for Denver Broncos fan. Now, the problem that we have is that we have both Patrick and Sutton that are kind of both coming into when we got to start thinking about payment. So I, it would be very, very interesting to see what the Denver Broncos and George Payton does with both Tim Patrick and Sutton. On the precipice, on the way up that mountain, just below the summit, hoping that he gets there at some point, I have Javante Williams. I think he had yet another one of those games where you're going to remember him and remember his runs and wish that he was on the field more and that we had a better running scheme. And all the way down at base camp, I am going to go with Draymond Jones. Um, I expected more from Draymond Jones in pretty this season period but I think where he really showed that he needed a lot that he has a lot to work on and needs to do more was in this Steelers game. The Steelers had rookies at their offensive line. They have two rookies on their offensive line and We did not get that pressure to collapse the pocket to make Big Ben uncomfortable. And I mean, you could arguably pick your poison. You could go with uh, Shelby Harris or you can go Draymond Jones. But I'm going to go Draymond Jones also because he had that penalty in the game as well, which set us back. And last but not least, the newest addition to the My High Mountain. And that's those two people that we decided to send on the plane home. They didn't even stay at the mountain because we didn't want them there anymore. And that is Pat Shermer and Fuller. I don't really think I need to go into any more
0: details as to why they're there. (laughs) Very well said, my friend. And uh, I totally forgot about the, the plane home segment. And I guess for me, uh, sending home, it would probably be fuller as well. And I would probably say Alexander Johnson too, for the simple fact that he had two interceptions that he should have caught, but they were dropped. And as for a guy of his caliber, being on this team that long, that's totally inexcusable. He should not have dropped those passes. Uh, the boss Mundunga is saying, oh, offensive line continues to be a problem. I got to be honest, with the guard not playing as well as we know they should, they can play, I have to blame Kush. Am I wrong, Rich? So we all know how I feel
1: about offensive line and offensive linemen. I think they are uh, probably one of the most critical position groups on the team. Uh, starting at the offensive center, moving to the guards. Uh, Kush is definitely a problem, 100%. However, I'm going to push back a little bit on the fact that Kush is the only problem, uh, simply because we saw minors in there. And while he had a couple of plays where he wasn't particularly great, he played the majority of his time when he stepped in for Reisner at a much, much higher level than Reisner did when he was in the the game. So I do think guard play can continue to be at a high level even with Kush in there. But I, I don't think Kush is doing anyone any favors because he has not really taken any major leaps uh, forward uh, to speak of. And that's going to hold us back.
0: I, I have to agree with you there, uh, Rich. And unfortunately, Kush and Barry's chance to shine hasn't really come to fruition. Now he hasn't regressed, but by now he should have advanced himself where it, it should have been uh, him trying to show out, especially when he's got another person behind him, you know, breathing down his neck in terms of trying to get his job. So uh, he's got to play better. Otherwise the Broncos could decide to move on from Cushberry in the off season, either promote minors or maybe even look for another free agent center. or 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 just replace retool that entire thing according to how uh mike munchak sees things uh so with that uh, let's go to the next one uh ivan diaz saying uh broncos won three games they were supposed to win and lost two they were supposed to lose based on preseason predictions they should have won against the steelers with how bad they were playing and injuries so he's actually right rich and we all expected the Broncos to win that game against the Steelers but it, it, it was kind of like week one when the Steelers played the Bills the Bills were expected to win that game and they lost the Steelers came and beat them and it was it, it's something that you can't underestimate uh, a, a team even if they're one in three we kind of saw that last night with the Colts the Colts almost upsetting the Ravens but unfortunately the Ravens were able to barely come out of that one alive as a winner so i i totally agree here with with my cousin here it should have been a game that we should have won but unfortunately everything that that was supposed to happen didn't and everything that didn't happen did
1: so i'm gonna I, so this all depends on who you asked and, and who you polled um so obviously i wasn't including your cousin's polling here of, of what we were supposed to do and whatnot um i'm only modestly offended um so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I actually had us losing to the Ravens in my preseason predictions. I did not think we were going to be able to beat Lamar Jackson, uh, given the, the player personnel we had on defense. I did actually have us beating the Steelers, Because I believed that our pass rush would be able to uh, prevent Ben from doing what he was able to do in that game. And I expected more from our interior defensive line at the onset and beginning of the season. Clearly, I was mistaken. But I actually had us beating the Steelers. And frankly, if you looked at the game, we probably should have won that game. Really, if you look at what happened, that was a winnable game for us. Uh, 100% and yet we managed to basically throw the game away with poor uh, play calling and you know, just uninspiring play.
0: Yeah, our interior defensive line has to get better in terms of getting to the quarterback because they did a, a decent job in trying to get to, to Lamar Jackson, a quarterback who's one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league. So it was kind of frustrating to see the defensive line not being able to rattle Big Ben uh, and the only time I believe was that strip sack that Malik Reed had, and that was on, on a blitz, if I'm not mistaken, where he came in and just totally caught Big Ben from behind. So those kind of defensive plays are the plays that make the Broncos defense dangerous. And unfortunately, we didn't really see much of it after that uh, turnover. So, I, and as we segue into uh, Raiders Week here, Rich, going into the uh, the Broncos game against the Raiders. The Raiders are coming in really really crippled emotionally and just their head is not where it's supposed to be or where it was two weeks ago they're coming off of two losses just as we are but the way that they're coming in that whole team has got it has got to be discombobulated coming into Denver
1: I agree I, I do want to segue a little bit and kind of do two things here at once uh Mr. Uh, Mundungus Creevy here is asking about drafting a center or going free agency in center. Uh, I actually think that drafting a center would be a good idea. There's a really solid center that's coming out of college, I believe in next year's draft that is looking, well, he's actually looked like he might even go top 10, which depending on where we finish may or may not be in the cards. Uh, however, um, I actually think that bolstering our offensive line is the right way to go in the draft especially if we're looking to try to lay the groundwork to potentially going after a free agent quarterback if that's the direction that george Payton payton wishes to move in and having an offensive center who you know we've heard peyton manning actually in some of these uh you know the the manning brothers uh, mm-hmm. uh segments there talk about how important and even eli has mentioned about how important that jeff uh, the jeff saturday and um Oh, I can't remember that guy's name. Reggie um, Wayne? Her name? O'Hara. Mark oh, O'Hara. Margarita. Yeah, mm-hmm. how important that relationship was for, for both of them. Now, to segue that over towards the Raiders game, uh, the interior of the Raiders' uh, defensive line has actually produced fairly well this year, and they've, they've really wreaked havoc on, on other teams. And I believe that that, in and of itself, uh, may be a challenge uh, for our Denver Broncos and this may actually be the perfect segue to get ourselves moving over to this week's hot 5 let's go let's go <laughs>
2: Hey, how's it going? This is Wi-Fi Willie from Wi-Fi Willy's Pro Football Podcast. I run a pro Raiders YouTube channel, basically. So I'm here to tell you the five things the Raiders need to do to beat the Denver Broncos in Denver. So the first thing that I would say is for the first three weeks of the season, the Raiders are actually number two in passing. So as far as the amount of plays that were passed that were passes that they called the percentage was number two in the nfl only the chiefs were passing at a higher rate than the raiders from the first three weeks of the season so I think with the trouble that the Raiders have had in the run game, they need to get back to what they did against the Ravens, against the Steelers, against Miami, which is rely on Derek Carr's arm. Rely on Derek Carr passing the ball on first and second down to get you in a better position on third down. Just because the run game's not doing well, the O-line's a little banged up, we don't have no incognito this year, right? So I think that's something they need to do. Now, the second thing that I think they need to do and this is related to the run game is stop the run game by staying in their base defense more you know we know Gus Bradley runs that four three uh and then the cover three defense right but I have seen several situations in the you know past few games where the Raiders have been in the nickel in the red zone and I just don't understand it especially when you have a lot of trouble stopping the run we know Austin Eckler actually had his career high game in rushing yards against the Raiders very unfortunate to see on monday night right so i think that's what they need to do stay in the four three more get kj right out there as much as you can and let's try to stop the run and let's try to stop the inverse run game so that's one thing i would do and then another thing too uh you know aside from the run game that's been an issue also the red zone efficiency has been an issue uh, Raiders have a really poor ranking last time I checked. I believe last week it was 22nd in red, red zone offense efficiency, and the same thing in defense. Pretty, you know, defense is doing well, you know, primarily all around. But when it comes to the red zone, you know, there's been a big dip. So I think that comes with play calling. I think Gruden. Uh, he he's too accustomed to having a really good offensive line and in previous years you know, when it's third and one fourth and one yes halfback dive up the middle with josh jacobs let rodney hudson and gabe jackson clear some room for you i mean that's what he's used to and he has to understand that that might not be the team we have this year so i think more creative play calling all around from john gruden could really benefit this raiders team uh now the fourth thing i would say uh Because I'm not going to lie, I don't have too much faith in Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. I have a little more faith in Teddy Bridgewater than Drew Locke, right? Uh, So I think the Raiders need to keep up this pass rush. Max Crosby. Man, I think this guy should be the defensive player of the year. He has the most pressures of any player in the NFL. Now, that's including defensive tackles like Aaron Donald. That's including, you know, other edge rushers like TJ Watt. Max Crosby leads the NFL in pressures and QB hits. You saw what he did to Big Ben in week two. He really tore him up for the rest of the season. So I think the Raiders need to keep applying the pass rush. Keep doing what they're doing there, whatever they're doing and working out, especially with Crosby and Unique Ngakwe. Uh, now the fifth thing that i think uh the raiders need to do and i think this really comes with the coaching staff and the players and also the fans this is something that the raiders fans need to do and i think that's have faith in Derek carr because he's had you know two games that were rough statistically they're bad games um you can't put the entire blame on him obviously the offensive has had some struggles like i talked to you before the play calling has been a little suspect especially for certain critical situations like the red zone so car car this last game i think it was probably his worst game of the season you know he did miss some wide open people a couple of times uh, he didn't let the pressure get to him too much but you just saw him make not be on the same page with the rest of his receivers we know in the background there's crazy media stories happening with gruden and whatnot too so not only car but i just think this whole team this fan base needs to have faith in their quarterback and their head coach and know that they have been able to produce at a high level before and they can keep doing it and they are just going through a rough period right now keep having faith with them don't don't weaken the morale you know which which is happening which is happening especially when you're losing football games so that'd be my fifth thing have faith in car and group so my name is Wi-Fi willie uh thank you guys for hearing my five reasons why i think the raiders will straight stomp on the broncos in denver i might even go to denver i know i heard you guys got legal gambling there kind of like vegas so maybe i'll stop by But I will just say, let's go Raiders.
0: And thanks again to our special guest, Wi-Fi Willie, for giving us his hot take five on how he believes that the Raiders will beat the Broncos. Now, Rich, what I take from that is, uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately he recorded that before the news broke out about John Gruden uh, resigning from the uh, Raiders and uh, hi Brie Brie and there was a comment here that I wanted to highlight uh, Dave Glassman saying don't underestimate the power of a significant event losing a coach Hurricane Katrina etc we can't sleep on these guys and Dave is right but what I meant about taking advantage Dave is basically taking advantage of a Raiders team that's not all there you know right now the the Raiders are kind of down in the dumps and the Broncos have to take advantage of that just basically get them out uh get that offense out of sync now uh what our our guest mentioned about Max Crosby he's totally right Max Crosby's been one of the best pass rushers in the league so far so our left and right tackles are going to have their hands full this weekend Rich
1: First off, we need to be very careful. You just said that the the Raiders aren't all there. That could be misinterpreted, so we just need to be very, very careful on how we speak. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, there's certainly there's, there's going to be emotions that are going to run high and that sort of thing. Now, with regards to Dave's comment, uh, I, I did respond back there in the comments uh, that amongst Raiders fans, there's actually a bit of a divide there where a lot of the Raiders fans kind of have a bit of a Shermer syndrome as it applied to, to John Gruden in the fact that they did not feel that his play calling was particularly good. They didn't mind the offense, but they didn't like how he was calling the offense. And so I actually do wonder, depending on who steps in and fills in for that play calling role, if you might kind of see foreshadowing, what maybe one could hope a little bit on the Denver Broncos with, our offensive coordinator, who is uh, in a flaming hot uh, burning chair at the moment, uh, looking ahead and seeing what a new play caller might be able to do with calling a similar or identical offense and if it makes a difference.
0: Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if this new interim coach comes in and decides to change things his way or try to keep the Raiders offense going with the playbook that they've already been used to and then modify it as time goes along. But either way, Rich, the Broncos' defense needs to step up because both of these teams are coming in losing back-to-back games. So it's going to be really crucial for the Broncos' team in general as a whole to be hungrier for a win than the Raiders. So I believe that the Broncos' defense, especially the pass rush, has to get to Derek Carr. They have to make him uncomfortable. Agreed. Now, thankfully, the, the Raiders... Uh, running back game has not really been up, has not really been as good as it's been in previous years. Josh Jacobs has has been really struggling, and uh, I forget who their their second one. Uh, Kenyon Drake has not had a season, anywhere near the season he had when he was a Cardinal. So the Broncos don't have to forcibly stack the box. They don't have to worry like they did with Najee Harris and with Lamar Jackson the last two games. So the secondary should really be on their toes and look out for the, you know, speedy Henry Ruggs and uh, what's his name? The the other uh, Hunter Renfro who's just been a pain in the, in the rear for most uh, defenses these last few weeks. I think we
1: need to be careful not to be complacent. Um, Josh Jacobs has, has burned us for enough yards that we should know enough to respect the fact that he can be a very good player. Um, And I mean, when was it? Was it last year or the year before? I mean, he just absolutely tore us apart. Um, jo- like Josh Jacobs, like single-handed. Yeah, it was well, last year. in Vegas. Yeah, last year. He just literally, yeah. just, like that one, oh, it was brutal. But you can't underestimate the power of a, a solid running game. And you also don't know kind of where the team's at and how they want to go about it. So maybe they want to, you know, unleash a little pushing and, you know, get some anger out. So they might try to go really aggressive in that kind of ground and pound style game. On the flip side for the Denver Broncos, I would like to see us uh, run what we saw ourselves run in preseason. We saw a tight end on the left of Garrett Bowles. We saw a tight end on the right of either what would have been or what is Bobby Massey at right tackle. Uh, Bobby Massey has not had a very good season. And we need to get to a point where we can start aggressively running the ball and instilling an identity on the offensive side of our ball of the ball for us. The problem is, is that we don't really know who we are as an offense right now. And I think we can say that plainly and honestly, as Broncos fans, most of the time, most teams by week five have a pretty good idea of who they are as a team offensively. They're either going to be more of a run happy team or a pass happy team, or they're going to be that kind of balancing act that kind of starts going, you know, run, 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 play action, pass, run, pass, pass, you know, kind of that 50, 50 style team. We really don't know who we are just yet, and we really need to figure that out. I think our offensive identity should be that gritty run team, kind of what we know our Broncos to be from when we had all that success with uh, TD, where we were that real good running team, kind of ground
0: teams down and wore them out. i mm-hmm. like to see more of that. Yeah, basically Denver has to get back to playing in front instead of trying to play from behind, especially Correct. at especially at home because the Broncos need to use my high to their advantage. And I'm right. not just talking about the altitude. I'm talking about everybody in the stage, the sounds, the thunder, the noise. And it's something that I believe that the Broncos really didn't use to their advantage when they faced the Ravens two weeks ago. So with this being an AFC West game, it's, it's a division game. So it's going to mean a lot more to try to get that win so I want to believe that every single person going on that field whether it's offense or defense are going to be highly motivated to take down this Raiders team and just get that jump up ahead of them because as we've seen so far Rich it's not the Chiefs that we have to worry about like we thought at the beginning of the season it's the Chargers the Chargers are playing really good That's a, wow yeah they're playing wow. really good football So, you know, everything that we thought was going to happen since week one has totally went a different way. So right now we have to get past the Raiders, and then we're going to have to worry about the Chargers soon enough, and then towards the end of the season, we'll deal with the Chiefs. So,
1: um, I actually said early in the season that I actually thought that the Chargers were going to be a really good team this year. Um, I've said that on Twitter and a few other spots, and, and a lot of people are like, oh, you don't know that. I don't know, second year, QB, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, you look at what the Chargers are doing now, and wow, do they ever look good. But uh, I, I, I actually, I still think that we really need to get back to more of a running style game. Um, you can sprinkle in and mix in play-action pass when the team has to respect the run. And you've shown them that you need to respect the run and uh to jump off of caddy's comment there um i actually think that jerry judy with kind of his route running where you typically probably want to put him in the slot and let him get those yards after the catch leverage teddy bridgewater's ability to throw a pinpoint ball and a quick release on that i think jerry judy becomes more an extension of a run game and can really start stretching the field by getting those additional yards after that catch by having him kind of in that same spot where the linebackers and the safeties are going to have to focus on the running back and they might not be able to pay as much attention to him. So that's kind of where I see Jerry Judy fitting into the offense personally.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe this question is directed at you here, Rich. Uh, The boss saying, we we keep saying (laughs) that Shermer's style of offense is old and outdated, but you want our identity to be the late 90s offense?
1: No, I think Schirmer's uh, offensive play-calling style is ineffective and inefficient. I think some of his plays are absolutely horrific and and should just be scrapped. Um, But I think that Shermer is trying to force too many three-wide receiver sets when he does not have the offensive player personnel to run that type of an offense. So the three-wide sets, while they are somewhat prevalent amongst other teams in the NFL... Uh, they are not exclusively the only set that people run in the that, You know, people run from in the NFL the eleven personnel. But uh, Shermer's issue is that he does not have the offensive line to hold up for those long passes that he likes to throw. Our offensive line is not good enough to hold up for a, a wide receiver to get twenty plus yards down the field. We've seen that both this year and last year. At some point, he needs to adapt, move to a quick passing game, more of a run style game. And then you leverage play action pass as a result of that.
0: Well, I think the addition of John Brown is going to be really good for this Broncos offense. Now, Brown does have a bit of an injury history to him, kind of like what we did, what we had with Hamler. But I don't think it's as bad with the hamstring. But I do like the signing here, Rich, because if it's one thing that Bridgewater needs, it's it's weapons. And Corlin Sutton, as great as he is, most of the time he draws double. Hey, sorry, can I just quickly jump in there? Yeah. Um, who's Brown? <laughs> John
1: Brown. I'm playing dumb. A lot of oh. people may not know who he is. I, I threw you a bone there, and you just threw it back at me a second time.
0: I'm sorry. I, I didn't know what you were saying. I was like,
1: Brown. I'm, tr- I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to have, like, a banter back and forth. And you're just like, what? I thought um, I
0: thought you were do- trying to do, like, a UPS joke or something. I was like, uh. n- no. So, so <laughs> Brown is the wide
1: receiver we just signed to our practice squad. Uh, actually, it was just announced by the Denver Broncos Twitter account just before we went live. Uh, so for, for those of you who don't know we signed a wide receiver to our practice squad he's known for his speed uh, however does have a mixed injury history which is where six ten Mexican was jumping in and explaining please continue
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes see this is why we have to be early uh, before every show um, but I-, I do agree with the signing I think it's a very good one now he's only signed to the practice squad so hopefully he doesn't get snagged up by another team while he's on there i don't know what the designation the broncos have in terms of putting him in for somebody else uh they're probably gonna have to wait until friday when the injury report comes out so he could be a last minute uh, addition and i hope he actually does play and he doesn't just get end up being a healthy scratch because that was kind of weird that the broncos activated darby but he was a healthy scratch and he didn't play against pittsburgh so i do believe that maybe the the a coaching coaching staff did that out of a as a precaution maybe he wasn't at a hundred percent because yeah because i i think they all learned their lesson from uh the whole thing with bradley chubb and bringing him in a little bit too early uh than than expected so uh at least they did that right
1: darby was looking good and then right before and around the game um they had a, a discussion and he said like i'm not quite there yet and the coaching staff decided to hold him back Uh, There's mixed reports as to if it was the staff that held him out or Darby approached them and said, I don't think it's a good idea. But either way, the right decision was made because, you know, whether it was the staff or Darby or both, they held him out as a result of of one of the two parties saying it's not a good idea. And I'm always going to support that decision, especially when we've seen how important Darby was because he was one of the main reasons or secondary was playing so well in the first few games. So you'd hate to have, as you aptly pointed out, kind of that Bradley Chubb situation where he came back just a little too fast and then is knocked out for an extended period of time as a result.
0: Yeah, he just re-aggravated injury. Right, exactly. Yeah, so uh, it'll be great to have him back against uh, the the Raiders this coming week. So I think that uh, basically just to go over what we need to do to win this game, is basically make Derek Carr feel uncomfortable in the pocket like he likes to throw. If you take away his wide receivers, he usually has to settle for you know checkdowns or handoff to the running back. Uh, the the Raiders defense, uh, their secondary, their secondary, I'm not so much worried about, but uh, you know Max Crosby, like we said at the beginning of the of the segment, he's he's somebody that if our left tackles cannot handle one on one, then you're gonna have to probably put a tight end on there, you know, either to double block or to chip. You're just gonna have to make him feel uncomfortable. Garrett Bowles, I believe he can he can handle Max Crosby if he lines up against him. Bobby Massey, his first year as a Bronco, and as you said, he I don't I wouldn't say he's been terrible, but he hasn't been excellent. You know, so I, I think that if you had to put help on one of them, it would probably be on the right side if, if Max lines up against him. But we just have to make sure that Bridgewater stays upright and that he doesn't make any boneheaded throws or you know ill advised plays when he runs out of the pocket.
1: Yeah, I, I think what you end up seeing is is Bowles has had more plays and elements of game or uh, portions of games rather where he's held up. Massey has had more plays in games where you actually looked back to see if he even touched the guy that he was supposed to block. <laughs> um right? Like there was there was one play, and it was either the Steelers, I think it was the Steelers actually, where the guy completely juked him and, and, and it wasn't even close. You almost started saying, Oh my gosh, this is this is like Menelik Watson. this is like Juwan James and, and the other guys there. At the, I mean it was it wasn't even bad. it was atrocious. So you literally had the guy Juke Massey to the to the to kind of more to his right and he completely took the bait and left a massive gap to his left. and then the guy just went straight clear path towards <laughs> towards Teddy Bridgewater and it, it was just bad bad bad, bad, bad.
0: Yeah, uh, another point that uh, our our guest made was that he said that he himself wasn't really afraid of Bridgewater as he would be of Drew Locke. And to me, that's a really big understatement. And if it's one thing that Raiders defense should not do, it's underestimate a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. Granted, Teddy has not had the best two games, uh, has not had his best two games so far, but it's kind of like what we were saying. When you corner somebody... you're going to see them become a different person. And Teddy Bridgewater, is he's due to have a big game. And I have a feeling that it's going to come this week against this Raiders defense.
1: I think what some people are seeing are things that you really can't deny watching the games in the film. Drew has um, a zip, but... That's not... I agree. I That's not what I heard. I'm pretty sure he was saying he has more confidence in Bridgewater. No, I,
0: he has more confidence in Bridgewater, but at the same time, I took it as, you know, he's not intimidated by either Bridgewater or Drew Locke.
1: He's not intimidated by either because he told me that. Yeah, yeah. Our, that's that's basically... I took yeah. that as
0: an, an understatement, so that's right. my... To clarify. But,
1: but uh, you know, Drew Locke has certain elements in his game that would certainly mean that there should be some concerns he has more zip on his passes so when you're in these really tight windows you need to really fire something in there Uh, drew has more zip in order to make that throw problem is is drew's also horribly inaccurate and he's proven that just with his footwork and everything else so Mm -hmm. although he can make that throw the question is will he make that throw and the answer to that unfortunately as we've seen as broncos fans is not all the time um (laughs) right now, Teddy Bridgewater, I think this is another play calling issue that I think we've seen on with the Denver Broncos, particularly as of late, is we need to try and get as many of these linebackers and safeties on our opposing teams to kind of bite forward and, and really uh, force them out of their standard game plan uh, for a Teddy Bridgewater and a Denver Broncos uh, offense. So what we saw with uh, the Steelers, uh, the Ravens, is they didn't respect our run game particularly uh, almost at all and they had so many they had quite a number of guys that were set back in coverage so we need to start forcing the run with those tight ends to kind of force them to kind of move away from their original game plan play to us not us play to them Mm -hmm. and then from there you can start attacking further down the field you can start throwing those long throws you can start doing play action passes and it'll start to work yeah
0: And the boss saying, uh, back to Brown, though, he has had two 1,000-yard years, one with Arizona and one with the Bills. So we are getting a good wide receiver. Not a number one, but a good speedy number three. And that's exactly why I thought he was a really good signing because he has a lot of uh, uh, traits just like uh, KJ Hamler has in terms of being a speedy number three, you know, being the guy that can uh, outbeat a coverage if if the defense is caught snoozing or whatever. So uh, that's why I think... Uh, his his signing is, is going to be really good for this team. We just need to see who is going to be the guy, the person that the Broncos uh, put on IR or take out and to, to put Brown in as their number three.
1: Uh, Moore had an interesting game, just to jump off that exact point you just made. Mm-hmm. Um, Moore was the guy we kind of signed who has some speed, and he did get pretty open, not like wide open, but open in that last game, and the, the throw was not made, but He wasn't KJ Hamler open. right? Um, In the point where KJ Hamler was so shifty and quick in in and out of his breaks that he was able to get almost to a point where he was wide open and Teddy just kind of threw it to him and then KJ Hamler was able to run almost in stride. So um, yeah, exactly. I think this comment's perfect. So he's less like a Hamler and more like Like an an Emmanuel Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders, And I think that's a great way to describe him and I completely agree. But when you look at what Sanders was able to do, Sanders was able to use like a quick juke or, or other elements of his game in order to get himself a little bit more open than I think what we saw from uh, Moore in this past game. So mm-hmm. it'll be very, very interesting to see if Brown can put that on the, on the field for us in practice. And we may see a shift where Brown gets called up just in advance of the game, um, knowing that we need that extra speed to help stretch the field and make everyone, uh, you know, a little bit more honest in the back end.
0: No, I totally agree with you. But I think the biggest point as we get to the towards the end of our show here, Rich, is that the Broncos need to take the lead. They cannot be playing agree Uh, you know keep playing from behind and I know I've said that like two or three times already but it's something that we've seen so far in the last two games and Teddy Bridgewater it plays a lot better when the Broncos are in front than when they're trying to play from behind and as we saw in that very last throw where he threw that pick Rich it was a forced throw the coverage was there I saw two different players that were open on that play so I know Bridgewater going for the home run because he probably could have went down low, but it wasn't. It wouldn't have been for sure if even if he hit that player that they would have been able to get into the end zone without being, you know, tackled for uh, being tackled short. Well, you shouldn't
1: be relying on on a last minute, you know, drive to try and win a, a game like that. We had so many opportunities in that game against the Steelers to to win. But I do agree to transfer this over to the Raiders. I think that what we're going to able... What we are going to be able to do in this game and should be able to do in this game is start forcing the run, start forcing our opponent to play to us, start owning that time of possession again, and keep and maintain that lead. And then once we can do that, I think Fangio can then kind of do what Fangio likes to do best. And that is... He likes to kind of play to more conservatively until he has a lead where he's comfortable. And then he'll just send his rushers to try to, you know, end the game as best as they can. And he will allow guys like Vaughn, Cooper, Reed, and I forget that other guy's name that we signed. He literally looks like DeMarcus Ware on the field. It is freaky. His body type, his height, it, it is, and he's wearing 94, which certainly doesn't help at all either. But I mean, literally, it's like the Demarcus Ware clone. Who, if he can develop, wow! I mean, you know, we we have done very, very well at bringing in lesser-known guys that are seemingly putting up some production when it comes to pass rush, and uh, that's a position that's a premium. So if you can even you can get modest production out of some of these guys that are rookies and and kind of undrafted guys, wow! Have you ever done well? And we've have we have a great track record of getting production out of undrafted or uh lesser drafted pass rushers
0: yeah and i think more than anything here rich vic fangio needs to put out a really good game because he needs to take some of this heat off of him because if it's one thing that we said going into this season during the offseason is that a lot of us felt that Vic fangio his last season was because of covid was a bit of a safety net for him so we couldn't really blame him all the way but this year he can't. He doesn't have that excuse. He doesn't have no safety net. So every single mistake, every single error, every single loss is just going to hurt his chances of trying to make a deal with the front office in, in terms of you know him bring, bringing him back as a head coach next year. And don't get me wrong, I love Fangio as a defensive mind. He's an awesome defensive coordinator. But so far as a head coach, he's not making a very strong case for himself to say, hey, look, I know what I'm doing. He he needs to start getting some W's on that board and showing not just Broncos country, but showing a guy like George Payton, who, you know, I'm pretty sure he's he's not happy with the way the team is run. And unlike John Elway, who's who who's used to seeing this team, you know, in orange and blue colored glasses, I feel like George Payton isn't afraid to be the guy to say, hey, look, Vic, this isn't working out. And unfortunately, you're fired. Yeah, probably, and that's
1: that's that's you know that's probably one of the reasons why they brought George Payton in was to kind of do that the difficult assessment pieces and and in some respects uh, add a, an additional layer between Elway uh, and you know the dirty work so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, now I am curious as to those that are joining us today as we get closer to the end of the show here. Uh, what are your comments in terms of what you think our defense needs to do to stop the? Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, it's still weird to say. It. It, you know, it bends the mind when you have to say the the Las Vegas Raiders. What do you think we need to do defensively to stop them? And on the flip side of that same coin, what do you think we need to do as the Denver Broncos to beat the Las Vegas Raiders? Or, or if you're a Raiders fan
0: joining us, what do you need to do to beat the Denver Broncos? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think we've pretty much uh, gone over. Uh, What we've gone over. I'm curious what others have to say as well. Right. And but I I think that mostly everybody's in in agreement in terms of the offense has to play better. The defense has to play better and getting Ronald Darby should be that spark for that secondary to to get those turnovers our outside linebackers have to I, I mean aside from malik reed getting that that strip sack was amazing but Von miller was almost non-existent this past week against that steelers offense offensive line and we didn't see that much out of jonathan cooper that game so uh and dave here with the saying we need to stop beating ourselves that's also another good point uh And it's just basically when and if should the Broncos be down, they shouldn't be playing like they're totally out of it and not wait until the fourth quarter to, you know, force force the ball, because when you force the ball, Rich, that's when you're forcing yourself to be more open to make a mistake in terms of a turnover uh, or interception or turnover on downs or just something dumb like that. And then you really put yourself in an even worse position in the field. I just want to thank uh,
1: Avatar. Aaron Patrick is the name of the player I was uh, thinking of. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It is just freaky. He literally looks like DeMarcus Ware on the field. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: BriBri saying, Death by a thousand tiny cuts bleeding this roster dry. Both sides of the ball are extremely talented. Play calling and cutesy throwing Miller into coverage on Claypool is egregious. And also, why step back from things that are working, running, fan targets those are all really good points and if you follow broncos twitter those are all things that people on uh, broncos fans on twitter were asking like why is why isn't Shermer running the ball why are they not targeting noah Fant? why aren't they doing plays at work The the screenplays where did all that go and instead it's just teddy bridgewater trying to heave the ball down the field and it, it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So it, it's a real uh, head scratcher there, Rich. I am going to push back a little bit on the last one.
1: I think Fant needs more passing targets. I agree. But I think the other challenge that we're going to run into is with Albert O's injury. It has taken a legitimate dual threat. I mean, Albert O was killing it this season. I mean, killing it this season because he was showing to be a far superior blocker to Noah Fant, and it wasn't even close. And he was also showing that he could be broken out, run down, and catch the ball. Noah Fant had one really good block. And in fact, in the Steelers game, it was Noah Fant who sealed the hole to allow Javante Williams make that 49-yard run. So Mm -hmm. as much as... As much as this is contradictory, or that is contradictory to what I'm about to say, generally speaking, Noah Fant is not a very good blocker, and most, or more often than not, this season he has not blocked well. So the problem is, is that he is a not a liability, but certainly not a strength in the blocking game as a tight end. So if you're going to start moving into these two tight end sets and whatnot. You need to have a tight end who is a, a threat both catching the ball, kind of like we saw Joel DeReason, Remember when Peyton Manning was here, mm-hmm. where he could block like nobody's business, and all of a sudden he just kind of broke out, and it was like a 20-yard run. We saw Saubert do that a lot in uh, the preseason, where he caught it two, three yards past the line of scrimmage, and then threw guys out of the way for like a 13 or 14-yard gain. That's the type of tight end play we need to get with flexibility at that position. Noah Fant is very much like a really large uh, wide receiver who is playing a tight end position. We need him to step a little bit in his blocking game so that teams quite literally need to guess what they expect out
0: of him. Right. And uh, Ivan saying someone has to step up besides Vaughn and put pressure on Carr. Look at what the Bears did and they have their limitations as a football team and got the dub. Is Chubb still out? Yes. Uh, Bradley Chubb is still out and he's going to be out for a couple more weeks. Hopefully, his hopefully his recovery will come at a time when the Broncos are ready to bring him back and they're in a better position. Uh, but so that that Bears D line, their interior D line, so far is playing a lot more better than Denver's. So for Denver's Broncos for the Broncos defensive line to be great, all both parts, the inside and the out, have to work together in terms of putting the pressure on. And it can't be the two guys on the outside putting in more work than the two guys in the inside. And unfortunately, that's kind of what we've seen with Draymond Jones and Shelby Harris and even Mike Purcell. They haven't really been being those beasts that we've seen them be over the last two seasons. So I'm hoping that they go out there and they really put a hurting on this offensive line and make Derek Carr's job even harder to do and force a turnover, and if not another strip sack by... Malik Reed. yeah no I agree you need all three interior
1: guys though to step up and apply pressure into inside um, in some respects I agree with you I, I, my comments were very much saying fans should fit a scheme my flip side to that though is um, that's why you also draft guys that fit what you want to do better. Right. Mm-hmm. Denver Broncos drafted Noah fan and then failed to use them properly. Well, they failed, they used him properly when Skangarella was here um, where they actually had him do exactly what you're referring to, Bree, which is how he should be used. But the problem is, is that I'm looking at what Schirmer's current scheme is and what we have practiced thus far. And it's going to take at least I think you can agree with me here, two to three weeks, if not four weeks for if we do make an offensive coordinator change. Uh, Like a Nazani, or even bringing in Shula, or have a bit of a committee where you might have Shula mixed with Munchak, um, because he's another guy that could potentially fill some of that role as well. You're going to need to take some time to redevelop some of those offensive schemes in order to better utilize Noah Fant in things like seam routes uh, and uh, tight end screens and that sort of thing. Which I agree with you. That's where Noah Fant's going to absolutely kill other teams because he is a complete mismatch. And that's how we should be using him. The problem is, is that when you look at what Shermer's scheme is, it commands better run blocking out of the tight end. And if we are going to run those two tight end sets with the two tight ends on either side, you know, you need a guy that is basically respected in
0: both blocking and passing. So totally agree. But unfortunately guys, we are running late and unfortunately we don't have enough time to get to everybody's comments. So uh this is gonna have to do it for us today guys thank you so much to everybody that joined us in the chat today from the boss to three to ivan to ej and everybody i'm sorry if i forgot your name uh but guys if you enjoyed this content please make sure to hit that thumbs up hit that subscribe button so you get live notifications on when we go live and if you love broncos talk then you're gonna love our other shows don't forget every single thursday we have the flagship show mhrt on the YouTube channel. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get to see Mundungus, Glenn Hauser, Mr. Mister Boggins, and myself where we go over all Broncos news. And on Fridays, we have the Nothing Rhymes with Orange and Blue podcast with our our, our good friends Johnny and Isaiah. And they'll go over other Broncos news as well. And of course, we have the the pregame show which is the neighborhood which airs live before every single broncos game and for every broncos home game we have a live tailgate report from the Mahi high profit so make sure you guys are are subscribed to us on facebook twitter any of our social media platforms so you don't miss a single moment of the action and rich before we go of course you know we have to do the my high five so for those of you that are new and you don't know what the (laughs) Mahi high five is you put your arms up And after I say my high five, you just clap them up in the air. So, Rich, are you ready? I'm good to go. All right, here we go. My high five! Woo! Thank you so much, everybody. We will see you all next time. Hasta luego.